Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Yassin. Coming to you live from Kalamata and the beautiful Elite City Resort Hotel here in Kalamata, Greece, overlooking the Messinian Bay. Not sure if you can hear in the background as the sun is just coming up here. Uh, roosters, which is a, a very familiar sound uh, early in the morning all over the city. Even though you're rated smack dab, we're smack dab in the middle of Kalamata. Uh, many people have uh, roosters and chickens. And uh, so that's how you wake up in the morning. One does not need an alarm, believe me. <laughs> it's a gentle way to wake up. I love the sound of the roosters. I'm going to miss that when I leave here eventually. But uh, uh, coming, uh, as I say, live from the Elite City Resort, which is a beautiful facility, just steps away from the uh, the beach and the Messinian Bay in the Mediterranean Sea. And the, uh, the hotel itself has a, a beautiful uh, uh, swimming pool and uh, tennis courts and uh, conference center where I'm broadcasting from. Plus, you've got the mountains in the background. So you've got your sandwich between the sea and the Tahito Mountains. What more do you uh, possibly need? And, of course, you've got the famous Greek hospitality, which I'm experiencing on a daily basis, not only here at the hotel, but just uh, in Kalamata. And uh, I took the boys to Pilos, which is a, uh, a little town not too far from here, and uh, drove up into the mountains, and we all got out and hiked for about 15 minutes and found ourselves at this beautiful waterfall. We'd been told about it. We went there with the uh, friends of the family, Peter Bofeas and his lovely wife Helen and their children, Iris and Marianne. They took us uh, to the uh, the waterfall. Quite a trek to get to this place, but well worth it, believe me. And uh, lots of uh, sort of treacherous rocks to climb over. Eventually we got there, and uh, I dove in. Talk about a wake-up call. <laughs> Imagine swimming in... Uh, pure mountain water, and you can imagine how cold that would be. You know, normally they say, hey, once you get in, it's fine. No, 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 no. <laughs> you do not acclimatize to that kind of uh, frigid water. Uh, but it's an experience I will not forget. Neither will the boys. Had a great time. On the way up there, I saw something very interesting. Keep in mind, we're in the mountains. We're hiking through the woods on the way to the waterfall. And we went over this little bridge, and there were huge, some of the largest spiders I've ever seen, with some of the most beautiful, intricate spider webs anywhere. So we went over this bridge, and uh, Peter Buffeus said, stop, look there. We looked to our left. There, in the middle of this enormous spider web, was a bee or a wasp, quite a large one. And it was in a titanic struggle for its life, because it had been ensnared, of course, in the spider web. And this large spider, larger than the wasp, in fact, uh, came racing down into the middle of the web and attacked this wasp. And there was this struggle going on. And I don't know, somewhere in there I'm thinking there's this metaphor between what's going on uh, you know, with, with Greece and its economy and the IMF or the European Central Bank uh, and the, um, the spider and the wasp. Uh, you choose which is the spider and which is the wasp. Anyway, the spider won. Uh, lots going on here in uh, in beautiful uh, southern Greece. Uh, one of the things that has really struck me is how clear the night sky is, particularly uh, if you take a drive up in the Tahito Mountains and uh, some of the, the villages there, the Horios. 
the night skies are brilliant. You don't get the light pollution, particularly if you're sort of facing away from from uh, the lights in Kalamata, which is a sizable city, probably somewhere in the order of uh, 90 or 100,000, more during tourist season. But the night skies up in the mountains are spectacular. And uh, I'm, I'm now taking the time when I go up there to look skyward and spend a few moments and see if I can see some strange aerial phenomena. Uh, haven't yet, but um, you know, for the first time in a long time, I've got the time to actually just look up in the sky. And uh, I'm going to speak with a gentleman now who spends a lot of time looking up in the sky. And he is sincere in his belief that what's behind the UFO phenomenon is in fact a spiritual reality. We tend to focus on some of the negative aspects associated with uh, UFOs and ET contact, such as the alien abduction phenomenon, and we'll certainly touch on that. Uh, but uh, Dick Larson is with us. He joined us a couple of weeks ago to talk about Maitreya, the world teacher. He's back with us again, and I'm sure there'll be some dovetailing uh, with that topic. But we're talking now about the spiritual reality behind the UFO phenomenon. Dick Larson, as I say, is a counselor with a background in education who addresses the ageless wisdom teachings, meditation, and practical spirituality. He's been a guest on radio talk shows nationwide, co-hosted a radio program himself, and produced and hosted a series of public access television shows that currently air around the nation. He resides in Los Angeles, California. A great pleasure to welcome back to The Conspiracy Show, Dick Larson. Hey, Dick, how are you? I'm well, Richard. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. You know, I I really enjoyed uh, being on the show with you last time, and I'm glad to be back. You put a smile on my face with the description of your environs there in Greece. My, how beautiful. Uh, it, it is breathtaking. Uh, and uh, as I say, the night skies, I think you'd enjoy them here. Oh, um, my. It, 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 must be a challenge, it must be a challenge living in Southern California with the urban sprawl there and so forth. To, to actually be able to look up into the night sky and see much of anything. Where, where do you go if you're looking, if you want to see uh, some UFO activity? Where do you go, Dick? Well, I'm fortunate. I live in Orange County, south of Los Angeles. I'm about a mile and a half from the beach, so the ocean breezes blow most of the smog and clouds inland, and I actually have a pretty clear view of the sky most nights. Um, but you're right. When you're in, when you're in Los Angeles proper, um, first of all, the city lights just hide so many of the lights in the sky because they're dimmer by comparison. And, and, then, you, and then if you have a cloud cover or if, it, if the smog is particularly bad that day, it's, it's pretty rough to see much up there. Um, but I have a pretty clear view most every night. Is there something um, special about people who are able to see UFOs. I mean, many people look up at the night sky. I've never seen one. Many people spend a lot of time looking up at the night sky, and they don't see anything. Or if they do, they they soon recognize, okay, that's a satellite, or that's a, uh, a jet, or a comet, or what have you. But those people that, and I get emails from, from, from lots of people who see ET or UFOs on a regular basis. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, is there something special about those people, and perhaps you're one of those people. Well, um, the only thing that I'm aware of that might be special about them is, number one, they may ask the space people to appear to them. And space people have been known to respond to human thought. They're more advanced than we are, um, evolutionary-wise. 
Um, and so they are, many of them, most of them, I understand, are telepathic, at least the ones that are allowed to travel. You know, the, the bad guys aren't allowed to travel. They can't leave the planet. There was a time when they could, eons ago, but not anymore. They're, they're grounded. Um, so, so the ones who are traveling around us, and they're up there in the thousands all the time, and I'll talk in a little bit about why we don't see them most of the time, but the only thing that I would say that people have in common is, number one, they're not afraid of them. They don't want to scare anybody. They're not here to cause harm. They're not here to scare people or frighten people. So if, if they think people are afraid or they appear to somebody and they are afraid of them, they'll disappear very quickly, usually. Um, number one. Number two, those people, like I said, might invite them. The, the third thing is it takes some patience. One must be patient um, if you're going to look for our space travelers out there, you have to, you have to spend a little time at it. Um, you can't just glance up and expect to see one. It's probably not going to happen that way. But if people ask, if, if there, would you please appear to me, space people or whatever, um, over time they will probably respond because they know they're not going to scare that person. They're not going to be afraid. Um, and, and so that's really about it as far as I know. How did you become... Uh, convinced what was your aha moment if you would uh, regarding the intention uh, the intentions of the the uh, these ET civilizations in other words when when did you make up your mind that they they mean us no harm and then, and that they are in fact here to uh, to enlighten and 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 assist humanity a couple things. Um, first, uh, George Adamsky, A-D-A-M-S-K-Y, has written a couple books and co-wrote uh, about his experiences with the Space Brothers and Sisters, the space people, um, several years ago. <clears throat> and that was a very harmless, um, actually kind of a spiritual trip <laughs> to go on, including a very knowledgeable trip to go on, to read some of his books. I'm not sure they're still in print, but I think used copies can be found of George Adamsky's writing. He also took some very detailed photos. Um, back in those days, detailed photos were very rare, um, and the frauds were easy to spot. Um, but, but more than Adamski, a man named Benjamin Krem, I'll spell his last name, it's C-R-E-M-E. -E. He lives in London, um, and he's written about 15 books that are available on Amazon.com, and one of them is called The Gathering of the Forces of Light, UFOs and Their Spiritual Mission. And I have been reading Benjamin Krem for years. I've seen him um, at lectures here in Los Angeles. He has come every year for over 35 years. Um, I've gone to meditation events with Benjamin Krem um, up in the mountains in San Francisco um, almost every year for many years now. And I've, I've become convinced that he's one of the most evolved spiritual people I know. Um, everything he said has come to pass um, in, in forms of prophecy and so on. And so when I read this book, The Gathering of the Forces of Light by Benjamin Krem, which is available on Amazon if people are interested, it just made sense to me. I mean, the way he spoke about, about their purpose in being here, the, 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 the reasons behind their mission here, and why we can see them and why we can't see them and what they're doing and and so on. It just all made sense to me. Um, that, that I have. The other thing is, I, I actually saw one um, UFO. I've seen it several times um, outside my home, outside my kitchen window. <laughs> um, and 
and it, I asked it to move, and it did. I asked it to change colors, and it did. I filmed it changing colors, um, and and so on. So I know they're there. That I've had a direct experience of them. That couldn't have been an airplane, and and I. I trust Benjamin Krem's writing because not because I believe in him or anything like that, but it just makes sense to me. All right, uh, Dick, I've got to jump in here. We'll take a time out. We'll come back coming to you live from the Elite City Resort in Kalamata, Greece. Dick Larson on the line talking UFOs and their spiritual mission. Stay with us. If it's out there, if it's real, we have a right to know. Big Brother is listening, and so are you. To the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome back. Coming to you live from the Elite City Resort Hotel in Kalamata, Greece, where I've been now for uh, nearly two and a half weeks and uh, just having a, a, a wonderful time. Not just a relaxing time, but really a profound uh, time and a, a profound experience um, uh, here with my, uh, my twin boys and also my nephew, uh, uh, Nick, also having a great time. But just the... Uh, I don't. I don't know how to describe it. It's 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 sort of a quasi spiritual experience as you drive around this beautiful country, and everywhere you step, you're cognizant, of course, that uh, you're, you're you're stepping on history, ancient ancient uh, artifacts, probably just a few feet below your uh, your every step, uh, and uh, and of course the. Uh, the night skies, as I mentioned earlier, are just spectacular here. You, you really must uh, come down. We, we all know that the, the situation in Greece, is, economically speaking, is not good. Things uh, in Athens in particular, where nearly half of the nation's 10 or 11 million people reside in the greater Athens area. Uh, but here in, in, in the south, in Kalamata, uh, and uh, uh, along the, um, the Peloponnesian uh, coast, it's a very different situation. You, you don't get the sense that uh, the country is in such turmoil. Yes, work is hard to come by, but people are getting by. They're not complaining. And uh, the tourists are flocking here, in particular uh, Kalamata, A, because of the situation in Athens, uh, and things are much more calm here, and B, uh, if you're thinking about going to the islands, you might want to reconsider. the. Uh, I was told earlier today that the price of catching a ferry to one of the islands is something like 400 euros. And uh, that's just gone, uh, the, the price has gone through the roof. So for many people, that's just not an option. So if you don't want to go to Athens and you don't want to go to the islands, you must come to the Peloponnesian region and Kalamata in particular. You will not be disappointed, I guarantee it. A, uh, a vacation of a lifetime. All right, Dick Larson is with us as we're talking about the spiritual reality behind the UFO phenomenon. Uh, Dick, earlier you mentioned that the, I guess the uh, the malcontents in the uh, in the galaxy, the uh, those who might consider doing us harm, are forbidden from venturing out into space. They're they're banned from interstellar space travel. Uh, a, how did you come by that knowledge? And B, uh, who sort of gives that permission? Yeah, I didn't mean the galaxy. I meant our solar system. Uh, my information uh, is that the the spaceships are all from our solar system. A lot of people think they're from Sirius or or the Pleiades or somewhere. And and my information is that's not the case. They all come from planets within our solar system. There is humanity throughout all of cosmos, 
and all of our planets have humanity on them. They're just not all in solid physical bodies like we are here on Earth. There are different levels of solid physical. So the ones who decide are, are the leaders of their planets. There's, there's an interplanetary commission, um, a federation, a confederation of planets. There's an interplanetary government of which the spiritual masters, some call them ascended masters, they're the great people that have gone through evolution ahead of us and have, have stuck around to guide humanity from behind the scenes and inspire humanity on all the planets. There's a spiritual hierarchy. The, the spiritual kingdom has different levels of responsibility, just like our planetary kingdom does. And those spiritual representatives from each of the planets who are in charge of the evolution, of overseeing the evolution of that planet, get together about every 250 years, is my information. And the reason they're coming here is because we're in trouble. A planet Earth is in trouble. We, uh, we can't stop polluting. We're killing the planet. We can't stop killing each other, wars, and we've gotten off the path. We need help. And they are here just like if you get a sore in your body somewhere, the rest of the body rushes in to help. They are here at the invitation of our planetary hierarchy, the spiritual masters that are overseeing the plan for planet Earth. Every, every planet has a plan. Um, and they are here at their invitation to help, and that's part of their mission here. It's a mission of mercy. They're here. Our planet would be uninhabitable if they weren't here mopping up pollution in their giant ships 24 hours a day, year after year after year after year. They're mopping up pollution to help keep the planet alive until we wake up, Richard, until we wake up and see that we need to get a grip on this. We would not be able to live here if they weren't doing this. Now, they can't clean the whole thing up because it's not their mess. The law of karma will only allow them to clean up so much. But, I mean, they're working diligently on our behalf. We owe them a great debt, and we don't even know it. So that's one of the parts of their mission is pollution. That's interesting you mentioned that because uh, I'm not sure where this information came from, whether it was uh, a listener who emailed me or, uh, in, in any case, uh, reports of UFOs seen around chemtrails. Uh, have you witnessed this? They actually make what look like chemtrails, but it's not. It's, it's mist. Um, but, yeah, they will make them. They Actually, sometimes they make them to create art. Sometimes they make them to let us know they're here, like they'll do a right angle. <laughs> you know, when you see a chemtrail in the sky that makes a right angle, that was a UFO. That wasn't some... That's yeah. right. That's no C-10 Hercules. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. But, but the idea so, that, that, so. that uh, we have this chemtrail phenomenon that some people believe is uh, being perpetrated by some nefarious government agency whether it's to forestall global warming or whether they're trying to institute some sort of depopulation uh, uh, project by, you know, spraying these deadly toxins into the air. And, and, uh, and so, again, the idea is that if these UFOs are being seen around these types of chemtrails, uh, perhaps it's their intention to clean those up. Yeah. It, well, it could very well be. Absolutely. I don't think that's going on myself. Um, I think there are chemtrails, but I think it's from from craft from our from the developed countries um, that are just making a mess out of our atmosphere. Um, but and certain different experiments, I'm sure, are going on too. But I don't think that there's a plot to to depopulate the planet or anything like that. But yes, they are the biggest pollution that they're cleaning up, though, Richard. And this is something we are completely unaware of at this point, according to Benjamin Krem, who's in contact with the 
with not only with the spiritual hierarchy of our planet, but with these space brothers and sisters. He's ridden, flown with them many, many times. Um, you can't fly with them in the body. You have to fly with them out of the body, and, and so your consciousness goes with them. It's kind of interesting. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. But anyway, the biggest pollution is um, nuclear pollution. We're, we're, our science is crude, to, to say the least, and our scientific instruments only measure solid matter up to a certain point. But there's that, we, we are aware of three levels of solid matter, solid, liquid, and gas. That's physical matter as far as our science knows. But there are actually four more levels above gas. And like most gases, they're invisible. You can't smell them. You can't touch them. You can't see them. But it's physical. That's what the space people are made out of. That's what their craft, the UFOs, are made out of. They're made out of, it's called etheric. It's called the four levels of etheric physical. Our scientists have discovered the edges of it. They call it dark matter. Right, right. That's actually etheric physical. You can't Which is see about it. Ninety-five percent of the universe. Somebody who has etheric vision can see it. Right, and that this dark matter is 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 about uh, something on the order of about ninety-five percent of the universe. I mean, that's absolutely yes. Absolutely, everything is etheric physical. That's why they can be on planets that are cold. They can be on planets that are hot because they're in etheric physical. They're not in solid physical bodies like we are. We would boil or or freeze, but they don't. And that's why we can't see all the UFOs up there all the time is because they're etheric. And then when they want us to see them, they simply lower the vibration of their craft so that it, it becomes solid physical temporarily. Can't stay that way because that's not its natural state. But they lower the vibration of the craft and it just appears. And then and if they want to disappear, they can either fly away at the speed of light, you know, as fast as possible, or... They just simply raise the vibration of the craft again, and poof, it disappears. They fly their craft by thought. Their machinery and science and technology is so advanced that they don't push buttons or pull levers to fly their UFOs. They simply think it, and the, the machinery the, the, in the UFO respond to, to human thought. Gotcha. So humanity throughout cosmos, they just don't all look like us unless they want to. Right. I got to ask. They you can become I, solid physical. They can't stay that way for years and years and years, but but they can become solid physical for a while. Walk around. They look like us. They don't have one eye and tentacles. There's no monsters out there. They look like us. Now some are taller, some are shorter. The Venusians, for example, are are, are usually taller than us. They're six feet plus, and the Martians are smaller. Um, because there's so many of them, and it's a small planet. There's there's more people on Mars. There's about 9 billion people on Mars, and Mars is a smaller planet than us. So guess what? They're smaller. <laughs> you know, well, therefore, that, that, that raises a great point, Dick, because um, you, you mentioned the, the Martians and the Venetians, and we've yeah. got the uh, you know the rover up there on Mars right now. Uh, if there are 9 billion inhabitants of, of Mars, uh, uh, you know, even if they are in an etheric form, why uh, why is no why no sign of them? Are they living under the surface of Mars? Are they living uh, on the surface but are undetectable? They're on the surface, undetectable to any camera or any equipment that we have because it doesn't have etheric vision. But they're there. I mean, if if the camera had etheric vision, it would see buildings and people all over the place. Um, the the people that have etheric vision and are in etheric physical bodies like the space brothers and sisters <clears throat> i purposely don't call them aliens that's part of that 60-year conspiracy that you mentioned in your in your wonderful introduction 
by the by the governments of the world trying to get us to hate them and be afraid of them and think they don't exist. You know, they don't exist, but they're harmful. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, oh man, the government right. has said so many things that aren't true. Well, let's, it's a let's, huge cover-up. through some of those things. It's so unnecessary. It's just silly. You know, well, let's run the camera through. can't see them, but they're there. They're okay. there. Um, let's run, in run. a theory yeah, physical. If we could. Let's run through some of those misconceptions or, or sure. these uh, um, lies, I guess, being perpetrated uh, about ETs. And, and uh, let me go back to Roswell in 1947, because those in the UFO disclosure movement, and I don't know if you're simpatico with any of those groups or not, but they point to you know July 47, and they say this is where the government basically shut things down and decided that they were going to put a lid on, on, on uh, you know, UFO information. Yes. Uh, was there a crashed disc, uh, two crashed discs at Roswell? Did Roswell happen? There was one. There was one. It was a Martian UFO, and it had three people on it. One of them was a pregnant woman. And they, they were Martians, and they purposely became solid physical in their bodies and the craft. They purposely crashed it. It was a sacrifice by those three Martians. The, on purpose to let us know they're here. So what does our government do? Covers it up. I mean, it was a tragedy what our government did. Our government covered up this crash that was, there are videos, there's, there's actual film of the autopsies on YouTube. The black and white film, that's the actual Martian bodies being autopsied. Now there's a, a couple fake ones, but there's a, there's a couple real ones that are actually on YouTube, that's real. But their bodies can't be found now, and their craft can't be found now, because they have returned to etheric physical. So you'd never find pieces of the craft anymore, or, or their bodies anywhere, because they're etheric, they return to their natural state after uh, several, several days of death, um, and after the crash. Well, but why? it was real, absolutely it was real. And that cover-up was just horrible. Why cover this up? What, what's the, the intention here? Why are they keeping this information from us? Yeah. My, my theory behind that, um, and your listeners, please, I want your listeners to not feel like they have to believe anything I say. I'm just putting this out there, and they can take it for what it's worth. But my theory behind this is, is a couple things. Number one, if we knew that there are wonderful, loving, intelligent people with an evolution far beyond and a technology far beyond ours out there available to help us, we wouldn't pay any attention to our leaders. We would want to talk to them. And all of the, all of the world's leaders would lose their power and their influence instantly. I mean, it would be political suicide to admit that they're out there, if you ask me. Right. That makes sense. Um, that makes sense. You know, and, and, and they're not going to land on the White House lawn and, and their leader come out and meet President Obama or anything. That's not, that's not their deal. This isn't their planet. They're going to work mostly behind the scenes. They want us to know they're there so that we won't be afraid of them. That's why they do things like the crop circles that are all over the planet. In well, these corn the fields, circles, when we come can't back, figure out how they out. bend over the corn and, and the crops and they tie it in knots and it still doesn't break it. It's still alive. No, it's and they're amazing, beautiful amazing. Designs. we'll talk about crop circles when we come back. Uh, Dick, we'll take yeah. a time out. The Conspiracy Show coming to you live from the Elite City Resort Hotel in beautiful Kalamata, Greece. Stay with us. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
And we are taking the show on the road, coming to you live from the Elite City Resort Hotel, a beautiful facility nestled between the Messinian Bay, just across the street, literally. I can look out my window and uh, see both the Tahito Mountains and the um, the sparkling, uh, calm waters of the uh, Messinian Bay. It's great for, uh, uh, for swimming, just uh, floating on your back, which I could do all day. Uh, this bay is so uh, protected. Uh, that um, you just don't get those, you know, those rough seas. So it's very gentle, relaxing, uh, and um, again, just another great reason to get yourself down here to uh, the Peloponnesians, uh, the, uh, the the southern part of uh, Greece. Uh, Dick Larson stays with us for a few moments yet as we discuss the spiritual reality behind the UFO phenomenon. I do want to touch on crop circles, but just for a couple of minutes, uh, Dick, because then I want to get to. Uh, the alien abduction phenomenon, which you say has been sort of a, uh, a a hoax part of this, I suppose this sixty plus year, uh, sixty year plus uh, uh, cover up uh, by uh, whatever forces are out there that are trying to manipulate this information we're getting about UFOs. So first, crop circles. Uh, Wiltshire, uh, England, seems to be crop circle central, and every year the crop circles or agroglyphs as they're sometimes known seem to get more complex now what we're seeing um, coming out of uh, Wiltshire and, and other places in, in, in England seem to resemble fractals uh, and you say that these are these are messages from our uh, our space brothers and sisters but to what end I mean they're so complex uh, so cryptic how are we to make any sense of them well we're not I mean, really. I mean, some of them may contain certain mathematical information that will be of use to us in the future. Most of them are for the pure beauty of it. We're to enjoy them. Um, they're a calling card. They're a very quiet way of saying that they're here. Benjamin Krem has a beautiful quote about that. He said, if you have eyes to see this sign, the crop circles, it tells you that someone of tremendous intelligence, skill, tact, and reserve has touched the edge of our garment and said we're here and that's exactly what they are there's something very critical about them though the reason most of them are in south england by the way near london um, is because london is the headquarters of the world teacher the head of our spiritual hierarchy and the space brothers and sisters know all about the world teacher they're here to support him in coming forward and helping us get the evolution of our planet back on track. See, there's a plan for our solar system, too. And our planet, Earth, is holding back the evolution of the solar system right now. So they're rushing in to help because it's hurting the whole solar system. Um, we've just gotten so far off track with this horrible pollution. Um, so the, crop, the second thing about the crop circles is they are using them to mark the magnetic grid of planet Earth. And this magnetic grid in the future, in, com in combination with the sun, the, the, the energy from the sun, the Space Brothers are going to give us, when we're ready for it, the technology called the science of light or the technology of light. And it will provide free, pollution-free, endless energy for everything on planet Earth, basically forever. But they can't give us that science until we stop war. Because if they did, we'd find a way to make a weapon out of it. You know we would. Oh, no doubt. So, no doubt about that. Yeah. 
So that's the second thing the crop circles are doing. They're marking this magnetic grid that's going to be used to provide us with this free, non-polluting energy resource. All right. What do you make, then, of the, or how does one make sense of, in light of what you're saying, uh, of the alien abduction phenomenon? I've, I've, I've done countless shows on this. I've talked and interviewed uh, people like Dr. David Jacobs at the um, at Templeton University in Philadelphia, who's um, studied this, and, of course, the late uh, John Mack and uh, uh, Bud Hopkins dedicated their lives, the latter half of their lives, uh, to, to studying this. Oh, if these are enlightened spiritual uh, beings, what do we make, then, of what I can only describe as a, a, a an, an evil phenomenon, this alien abduction uh, phenomenon, where people are taken aboard craft and poked and prodded and implanted and, and uh, traumatized? Yeah. Um, well, I can only tell you the information that I have. And the information that I have is that there are some people who have, been, have traveled aboard UFOs with the Space Brothers, but those were positive experiences, not negative experiences. The negative experiences, they, they have no reason, first of all, to probe and prod us because they know that their science and technology is so far beyond us, they've got absolutely nothing to learn from us, nothing. Um, we can learn a ton from them. So, first of all, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, they'd have to be a really, really evil bunch of people to do that, and why take them on board? Why not just walk around and do, do people and then leave, you know? Um, so it, it doesn't make any sense, number one. Number two, um, it is known that governments have paid people to be eyewitnesses and to be um, the people that have experienced certain things. The government, uh, for example, has paid people in England. The government of England has paid people to cover up the crop circles, um, to plow them under, right, right as soon as they come up. They pay farmers to plow them under. That um, much they can't know. keep that's, up, that's, obviously. That's, uh, well documented. Um, Listen, Dick, this is a short segment. We're going to um, come right back. Okay. So i take a quick time. I'll come back continue to talk with Dick Larson, educator, counselor, about the spiritual reality behind the UFO phenomenon, coming to you live from the Elite City Resort Hotel in Kalamata, Greece. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Where there's smoke, there's the conspiracy show with Richard Serrett. Ah, uh, yes, a little Zorba the Greek bringing us back in as we broadcast live from the Elite City Resort Hotel in Kalamata, Greece. Uh, Dick Larson is uh, with us uh, for a few moments yet as we discuss the spiritual reality behind uh, UFOs, and we were discussing the alien abduction phenomenon. And granted, uh, the uh, various forces within governments, uh, whether it's in the UK or in the, in the United States, have been known to uh, create uh, um, hoaxes, but there are there are individuals, uh, countless individuals, who have been traumatized. They are not, I believe, you know, paid to tell these stories. In fact, their memories were, are, re are recovered under hypnosis. What has happened to them? What, what's going on there? I think the, that most of those people are very sincere. I think there are a few people who love attention, number one. The short answer, I think that most of the other people are very sincere, and some of them... Richard, honestly, have just very active imaginations. Um, and some people, like I said, like attention. Some people have experiences when they're sleeping. They have dreams that they think are real when they wake up. 
They think it really happened. They're absolutely convinced it happened. You talk to them, and they are so sincere. Some of them are the sweetest, nicest, most innocent people you'd ever want to meet. I personally don't think this is happening. I don't think it's happening. I think it comes from a lot of hype. And um, and I think that um, some of the people with the most sincere intentions are just are mistake they're mistaken about their experience. First of all, a physical human being can't go on an etheric spacecraft. It's physically impossible. Do you think it's so, possible that in some of these cases, false memories have been implanted by some government agency? Oh, I wouldn't doubt that at all. I mean, it's it's amazing the ex- the extent to which our our governments have gone slaughtering cattle. We know, we know there are government agencies that have done that. Now, the president doesn't know about all this stuff. I mean, these are, these are agencies deep inside, deep, deep inside the black agencies in the, in the United States and other countries that are doing this kind of thing, and they're kind of turned loose to say, go, go do this. Go discredit them. Make things look bad. So they slaughter cattle. They blame it on, they turn in the news reports, you know, done by UFOs. Witnesses saw it. All that kind of stuff's been going on for, like, we, like you said earlier, about 60 years. Um, and and I, just, I just, in my heart of hearts, um, I just don't think that's the nature of the Space Brothers that are here now. This may have happened a long time ago to some people, but um, I personally don't think they're doing any of that stuff. I think All they're right. here on a rescue mission. They love us. Um, most of the most of the crews are from Venus, and by the way, the, they're not Venetians. That's the blinds. They're Venusians. Venusians. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and most of the craft yeah. are from Talk Mars and Venus, <laughs> and Mars is the manufacturing planet for basically for our solar system. They love to build things, and they're very very good at it. About ninety percent of all the UFOs in our solar system are built by the Martians to the specifications of whatever planet is ordering them. Isn't that cool? That's, that, that's very cool. Uh, I, have a, I have another couple of quick points I want to cover before we get to the, uh, I guess, the meat of the matter, and that is, you know, where is this all leading? But first, before we get there, reports of recovered UFOs from crash sites where they've been taken supposedly to either Hangar 18 at, uh, at, um, in uh, Ohio, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio, or uh, Area 51. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Are those reports... Uh, apocryphal or true? I think some of them are probably true. I mean, I think they're doing just about everything they can to let us know they're here. Again, it, its original state is its is etheric physical, so they're not going to be able to hang on to that crash material forever. But but I think some of that is probably true and and being covered up. You know, I mean, these UFOs are everywhere. They go in the ocean to clean out pollution. They go into the ground to clean out pollution. They're etheric. They can go anywhere they want to. I understand one of the main bases, UFO bases under the ocean, is between L.A. and Catalina Island. And there have been pictures of UFOs coming out of the ocean, coming out of the water out there. It's pretty cool. They're, they can go anywhere they want to, and they're cleaning up this pollution. I wanted to mention the nuclear pollution there's etheric nuclear energy, which is the highest and worst pollution, leaking out of all of the nuclear plants in the world. And our instruments are too crude to measure it because it's not solid physical, it's etheric physical energy. And my information is that that nuclear pollution alone is largely responsible for the earlier and earlier incidents of Alzheimer's that we're seeing, number one, and number two, for the extreme increase in incidence of autistic children being born. It used to be one in like 18,000, and now it's one in 80. 
kids born are autistic. It's nuclear pollution that we don't even know is there because it's because it's etheric and our instruments are too crude to measure it. That's All what right. the spacecraft have been mopping up, trying to keep us alive and keep our planet alive. We need to shut those things down right away. Uh, in the very near future, I'll be doing a program on uh, the Apollo 11 uh, lunar landing. Of course, uh, we just Wonderful. passed the uh, the 43rd anniversary of that uh, event, and there are, of course, those who still maintain that we never landed on the moon. Now, if I'm hearing you correctly, I mean, we're, we're obviously not very good cosmic neighbors, and you mentioned that the uh, various spiritual councils on these other planets in the solar system make the decision when that civilization is allowed to venture forth and engage in, in, in interstellar uh, travel. One then might conclude that we're not fit to, uh, for interstellar travel, which would lead me to the question, do you believe then that we actually did land on the moon? Would we be allowed to land on oh, the sure. moon? Oh, sure. Basically, the moon is a dead, uh, dead, my information is that it's basically a dead object it used to have life. I understand there are still little creatures, kind of like a rabbit um, and, and kind of like a rat, that are still um, on the moon. That's the only life on the moon, and that it basically doesn't serve any purpose anymore. Of course, my information is that they're enthused about our, our adventures into space. They just don't want it to be military. They're, they're excited are they a little, for us. Are they a little nervous about uh, our landing probes on Mars? No, not at all. They, they, they just stand by and watch w uh, with amusement. Um, I mean, they, they think it's wonderful that, we're, that we want to reach out. That makes them feel more welcome here. You know, it, it, it makes them feel like we'll be more open to them and receptive to them. Um, so, no, they're very excited about it. They just don't want it to be used for military purposes, obviously. Got it, got it. You know, right. If we have another nuclear war, it's over. I mean, this planet is gone. The evolution on planet Earth would have to start over. That would set back the evolution of the entire solar system. So right now, I can tell you right now, my information is absolutely for a fact. If somebody tried to launch a nuclear missile on planet Earth, the Space Brothers would not allow it. The, one of the things they're really good at is electricity. And things would short out, and they just wouldn't work. It would not launch. That's well, we had Robert, uh, Captain uh, Air Force Captain Robert Salas on the program talking about his experiences at Malmstrom Air Force Base back in, the, in uh, I believe, 1967, uh, when uh, a number of U.S. Air Servicemen witnessed UFOs flying over the base, and then the ICBMs went uh, offline, quote unquote. Uh, and there have been a number of, uh, of stories like that, so there, 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 it seems that there's some truth to that. Uh, I guess in, in, as we approach the finish line here, let's let's talk about what uh, how this is going to uh, to end. It seems like this is sort of coming to a head. We we have an increased uh, increased sightings of UFO activity. Uh, where is this all leading? Are, uh, is there is there a, a happy ending? Yes, there is definitely. Um, they're peaceful. They're loving. They're intelligent. They want to help but they don't want to infringe. They want to work behind the scenes as much as possible. There was a, 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 a space brother actually gave advice to, to, was asked to give advice to JFK during the Cuban Missile Crisis, for example. He thought he was a military aide, but he wasn't. He was a space brother. Some of the space brothers, what they've done is they've taken, they've put their souls in human bodies. They can, they can do that. They can take a Venusian soul and have it be born in a, in a normal human body. So there are about two or 3,000 um, 
um, space people walking amongst us that looked just like us. You wouldn't know the difference. One of them, for example, was George Adamski. The difference was instead of a belly button, he had a bunch of lights coming out of his stomach there, and he had to keep them covered up. But, but other than that, they look just like us, and they're here to help. So the future is this. The first thing that's going to happen is they are going to help the world teacher come forward. I mentioned earlier that he's the head of the spiritual hierarchy for our planet. Every 2,000 years, we get a great teacher to come and bring the next revelation. He's here walking amongst us now, waiting for the right time to come forward. Um, he will come forward on all the media, all the radio and television. The Space Brothers are here to help that happen. They're going to make sure that all the satellites are working, the communication satellites are working, because that's what they're up there for, for this event. He's going to appear on television, and people will know it's him when he speaks to us for about 45 minutes or whatever in three ways. He's not a, comes, he doesn't come to start a religion. He doesn't come to save the world. We have to do the work. He comes to teach. He comes to make suggestions. And there are three ways people will know it's him, and then, and then we'll go from there. Number one, people will hear his words in their head, but his, they'll see him on TV, but his lips won't move. It'll be telepathic. They'll hear his words in their head in their native language. Number two, while he's speaking, people will feel the love of God in their heart like they've never felt it before. Trust the love in your heart. The Antichrist can't do that if that's a concern. And number three, after he's done speaking, he'll talk about the history of the world. He'll talk about where we've gone wrong. He'll talk about the beautiful future in front of us. And, um, and he'll make some suggestions about how we can get things back on track. And after he's done speaking, there will be reports around the world that, that while he was speaking, hundreds of thousands of people were miraculously healed. And in those three ways, we'll know it's the world teacher. The Space Brothers will come forward and confirm that this is a good person. He's here to help us. Um, and then he will introduce, for example, he will introduce Jesus, who is, who is back, um, and will head up the Christian church. There won't be any more popes. He will take his rightful place at the head of the Christian church and try to get that back on track. There will be other masters that will help in science, in, in the human, human social services, health care, every aspect of life. We will be getting advice if we follow it. Nobody's going to force us to do anything. There's not going to be a one-world government. Um, all the countries have a personality, and they all contribute to the whole. That won't change. Um, but then the Space Brothers will become more active. Their first thing is they don't want to steal any thunder from the world teacher. So once the world teacher comes forward, then the Space Brothers will come forward much more openly. Benjamin Krem has said that if you talk to one of the Space Brothers, especially one of the Venusians, they're so advanced that you were think you, you were think you were talking to a god. That's how advanced they are. They're pure love. Venus, you know, planets go through evolution just like human beings do. Each planet has seven rounds. A round is millions of years. Planet Earth is in the middle of the fourth round. We have a long time to go. It's in the middle of the fourth round that the people on the planet start to wake up, and that's why they're visiting us now, to help us wake up. Venus is in the seventh round. It's almost a perfect planet. It's almost a perfected planet. That's how advanced the people on Venus. Mars is at the same advancement we are, but their technology is way, way ahead of us, way ahead of us. And so technologically, Mars is a very strong planet. But no, it's an exciting time to be alive, Richard. It really is an exciting. There's a law called the law of equilibrium. And what that means is that however bad it's been, that's how good it's going to get. 
So we have a wonderful time ahead of us. We're, the world teacher is going to help us take care of some real basic stuff, first of all, health care, food for everybody, housing for everybody, education for everybody, the basics. All right. I've got to jump in here, Dick, and, uh, and put a bow on this. Listen, uh, a great pleasure. I appreciate uh, you coming on with us again. Thanks for having and, me, uh, Richard. We'll talk again soon, I hope. I'd love Dick it. Dick Larson. Thanks. All right. Hey, be sure to say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T. And as always, I encourage you to uh, visit the website, richardserrett.com. <laughs> 